Hello, friends. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. I'm your host, Sarah Buino, and I am so happy you joined us today. Like, generally, seriously, totally happy to have you here. <laughs> I was just thinking the other day how much I really enjoy having these conversations, and there would be no better way to have them than to have a podcast. I just feel so blessed. And the fact that you listen and enjoy them is like icing on this delicious cake. What's your favorite cake? I am, I've actually been into eating icing lately. Shh, don't tell anybody. It's so much sugar. <laughs> anyway, let's stop talking about cake. Clearly, I need to eat something. But let me tell you a couple things before I get to today's guest. So if you want to connect with me, let's hang out on Instagram at Head Heart Therapy. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcast if you so desire. Five stars, please. Pretty please. I'm guessing if you're here that that's what you would want to give. I don't know. I'm not going to tell you what to do. And then finally, if you want to give financially, you can find us on Patreon under Conversations with a Wounded Healer. And you can donate as little as a dollar a month. And I'm going to send you a super fun welcome gift if you do that. So now on to today's interview. I do want to note also, we had some technical issues with the audio on this one. So there's going to be a point in time where I kind of pop in and give you a synopsis of what it is that Shirali was saying that didn't unfortunately get captured. And there are a couple places where we had to to kind of edit out, but it's still a wonderful interview. Shirali is an incredible human being that I am so excited to share with you. So let me tell you about Shirali. She is a physical therapist who works with both adults and children specializing in craniosacral therapy and visceral mobilization. She is passionate about utilizing a holistic approach to determining the underlying factors that cause dysfunction and imbalance. So please enjoy my interview with Shirali. Hello, Shirali. Welcome to Conversations with a Wounded Healer. Thank you for having me, Sarah. We're popping your <laughs> podcast fairy today, aren't we? You are. I've I've never actually been on a podcast. I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I've never, you know, <laughs> talked to anybody in this way. So <laughs> so let's begin. We can tell people how I know you. You're my physical therapist. Yes, I am. And I literally just saw you this morning. Yeah. So like we already got to talk already, but we're gonna tell people all the things about you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a physical therapist by trade. I graduated from PT school. Uh, it's been eight years. Wow. And I wouldn't call myself a traditional physical therapist. I do practice in an outpatient setting, but I am, I guess I would say skilled in, or my niche is craniosacral therapy and uh, visceral mobilization. So since PT school, I've taken a lot of continuing education courses and I would say a bulk of what I do now is rooted in that. And so I love what I do, but a little bit about craniosacral therapy and a little bit about visceral mobilization. There are hands-on techniques and a lot of light touch. And when you come in and you see me work, it's going to look like, you know, just manipulations, some gentle manipulations, but there's kind of a lot more to it. It's a feeling art. You know, it's, it's learning to really feel what's going on in the body because the body it's talking to us on so many levels. And I think that if you pause and listen and just kind of be in its presence, it tells you a lot more. You get into that craniosacral system and you feel that rhythm and you use that to, again, sort of talk to the body and use light adjustments and light touches to really, 
you know, affect a person or help support a person and support overall health, really. To make it more concrete for folks, which might be helpful, you can talk specifically about my case and what we do together. Like the things that you said today, like you were asking me questions that I was like, oh, shit, how'd you know that I was eating like cheesy, buttery foods right now? So if you want to share like, you know, a little snapshot of that, I'm totally cool with it. Okay. So today I was, you know, talking about craniosacral therapy, but I also utilize visceral mobilization, which is basically learning how to palpate or touch and feel where organs are in the body and then sort of work with them and get them moving. Because we hear this a lot, mobility is health. And, you know, that means exercise and moving and getting up and making sure that you are doing all of those things. But at the same time, it's also our internal organs as well, right? Like they also need to be moving. And so today I was talking to Sarah about how when I was working on her liver specifically, it felt a little sluggish and our liver literally filters everything. It filters our blood, it filters any sort of substance that we put on our body, any sort of medication or anything we digest internally or food and also emotions. And it felt a little heavy. And now this is something that you you feel, right? It's after having the experience of working with the various organs, you start to start to have a feel and each thing that comes into contact with an organ feels a little different. And so today I was telling Sarah that when she started talking about something that sort of felt like it had an impact on the organ, you could feel how that impact was translating. And it was Mm -hmm. kind of having, again, a conversation with the body, just with touch and feel. And so with working with that, we want our organs and we want everything to have that sort of mobility because again, mobility is health. And so that's sort of a snapshot of what I was working on with Sarah. But just to give you an idea with clients in general, I'm looking at the body, I'm looking at movement patterns externally and also internally. And so some of that is really tangible in how I watch you walk, right? How Mm -hmm. I assess alignment. A lot of those things you can sort of tell on a person just by how they're moving. But a lot of things go into actually putting your hands on somebody and feeling how the tissue is sliding in my hands or how it's not sliding in my hands or how it might feel more inflamed or pouchy in one place versus another. And the idea is we want these things to be moving and moving together, right? And so Mm -hmm. that's kind of my job is someone comes in and they'll say, hey, I have pain or I'm moving differently or this doesn't seem right. And what I love to do is to go in and, you know, recognize that it might be one part that's off or that's not quite connected, but how is that part affected by or affecting another part of your body and, you know, getting things to work together. Mm -hmm. And one thing that's really interesting about your work, I've had a lot of energy healing and I used to see this woman, Sarah Wolfman, to do somatic touch therapy, and she was basically doing something very similar. And I was so excited to know that, like, this is a thing that's accepted by medicine, right? Like Western medicine is saying that visceral manipulation is a thing when really, truly, it feels like energy work. So I don't know if you can talk about like your understanding of of the connections between those two worlds. I think it's hard for people to realize that everything is sort of connected, down to how you feel, what you put in your body, what you're consuming in terms of what you're listening to and and what you're watching. And all those things are so connected. Nothing is just a product Mm -hmm. of or affecting just one thing. And I think that that's something that's 
in my opinion, missing is that we are an integrated person, an integrated system that's part of an integrated cosmos, if you will. And I think because we don't have that sort of concept, it's hard for people to understand that something, you know, that could feel sort of like energy work. I mean, everything is energy can actually make a change, you know? So I think that's what's tough for people is like, you know, this is bothering me. So I'll take a pill and it'll make me feel better. And while that's totally valid and it's totally okay, I think, you know, there's X, Y, or Z that maybe got you there. And if we can sort of realize how X, Y, and Z work together in the, in the past to bring you to where you are in your current, if we sort of take account for that, you know, how we're moving, how we're sleeping, how we're eating, and how all those things work together, I think that we have like a better integration of, of being, you know, and of health. And I think that it's really two ways of looking at things. Well, I mean, this whole integration between mind body, like the problem in Western medicine is that mind and body were separated at some point when they never should have been. And Mm -hmm. like you said, everything is energy. And so literally everything is energy medicine, if we think about it in that way, right? Right. Like even Western Mm -hmm. medicine, even taking a pill, like you are ingesting something that's energy from something else. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think in terms of what you're saying, where you actually feel it, I think for us, it's almost like surprising that something that doesn't seem so invasive could be so full of feeling just in the moment. So I think to your point, I guess it does feel like energy, but also again, to your point, you said that you take a pill and that's also energy that you're ingesting. What I've been realizing recently is that our mindset has to sort of shift to and to know that this is real. Like when I touch you, When I touch you, when I talk to you, it has an effect on you because it's all energy, right? And so I I could take a pill. I can also be talked to in a certain way, you know, positive or negative, and it's all going to have an effect on me. And kind of taking account for that and being responsible for that is, I think, really important. And I think it's health. And that's kind of where I come in where, I mean, I start with the touch, but also like we were kind of dialoguing and talking about today, there's, you know, X, Y, and Z that maybe brought you to where you're sort of feeling the way you do today or where you're sort of not moving or connecting or integrating in the way that you want to or in the way you want to feel and honing in on that, helping with identifying those factors, but also supporting them. Well, and and just to get specific again about my case to help people understand, I saw you several years ago and then came to see you again this time around because I was nauseous all the time. I was having pretty serious back pain and I was nauseous and I was going to the chiropractor and my acupuncturist and and they couldn't they couldn't move what needed to be moved for for a significant period of time and then someone suggested go back to Shirali and what you told me which was so interesting and the podcast listeners know I went I went to treatment so I was processing a lot of trauma when I went through that treatment program and I have been for several years and you were like oh yeah anger lives in the liver and that's one of the or it's processed in the liver and that's one of the one of the things I've really been working with is allowing myself to feel angry. And so just in one session with you, you were like, oh, yeah, let's kind of shift this a little bit. And then I wasn't experiencing that nausea and that back pain again. And what you said to me that was so important was like, you said you've done the emotional work, and you've now manifested that into your physical body. And we just have to move it out of your physical body now. Yeah, yes. And sort of help you process that. Because Again, you could be doing awesome work with therapy, awesome work 
by yourself and yet you could still not feel right. And I think, Mm -hmm. you know, that part of someone actually touching you and connecting with be it an organ or, I mean, your nervous system, you're really helping Mm -hmm. to actually put your hands on something and, and support you. And I think it, I know it, I've you know seen it many times. It, it really pushes people to the next level. I mean, you bring up a great point where you said, I did the work and you know it manifested as this. And I wish it were always that easy where in one session, <laughs> right. we could just you know sort of nip things in the bud, mm-hmm. but you know, it's not always that easy. But to your point and to kind of what we've been talking about, it's all energy and it all works together. And so that's another part of what I love to do is I love working with therapists or I love working with occupational therapists, speech therapists, and kind of collaborate on working on the body. Mm-hmm. Because when you have a team or acupuncturists, right? Chiropractors, right. when you have a team and you're talking to each other, you're you're talking to each other about a person, but you're also communicating with their body in, in different ways. And that you're truly connecting on different levels with the person. And I think it makes so much sense, number one. But number two, I don't think that enough people are seen that way and are connected with in that way. And it really makes all the difference. You know, it just feels mm-hmm. kind of like a lonely time because of COVID, but just in general, it feels like mm-hmm. everything is so separate and, you know, is is always attacked in parts where it's like, can we just work together and, you know, and see people on multiple levels and, and yeah, and that's, the most fun, I think, in my work. Yeah. Well, let's talk more about you. How did you get here? How did you decide to go to PT school? And and then how did you get into this specific specialization? I'm a dancer and I was on the dance team and I injured myself and I actually had to go to PT to rehab my knee. And I remember being in my session and thinking, wow, this is so cool. Like you... You know, you get to see your patient and you get to see your patient at least once a week and you get to see that growth or that, that development, that change. And it was, it was satisfying for me to see that. And I got to really get to know my therapist and connect with her. And I was like, there's something to this, you know? And so I sort of jumped into it and I said, well, I, you know, I'm already taking the prereqs. I want to be helping people. I want to connect with people this way. And this just seems kind of right. And I changed my major and I changed my course a little bit. And I applied to PT school like a semester later and I got in in a year and I went and it was the best three years of my life. I always say I went to school down in Mm -hmm. Florida. I loved my classmates and that's where I, for the maybe first or second time in my life, I'm like, wow, I really belong here. You know, I found that with dance. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, I belong in like the dance realm. And then I got to PT school and I'm like, I really belong here amongst people that are mm. like me and, and like to do the same things as me. And that was amazing. And then I had an outpatient rotation my last year of PT school. So as I promised at the beginning of the episode, this is a place where we had a little bit of a technical issue. So let me summarize what Shirali said here. So she really was talking about her first outpatient clinical placement and the clinical instructor who inspired her on the path that she's on today. Her placement was in California and her instructor and the clinic there worked with a lot of patients with consuming chronic pain. And it was a really unique experience. Now back to Shirali. And I hadn't 
met people like that, you know, for better or worse, or maybe mm. just living in sort of a sheltered life, or maybe even amongst more healthy people. But I remember him working with them, and he'd have the, his hands on them and, you know, be manipulating them and talking to them. And his patients would leave and they would be smiling, and they would come back a few sessions or a few weeks later, and they would be different and they would be just better. You could tell, you know, mm. from head to toe, from their demeanor to the way they were walking to the way they were conversing with people, they were just different, you know? And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing? And he, at that time started showing me some hands-on techniques, really simple. And I remember him taking my hands and putting them on one of his patients and then putting my, his hands over my hands and saying, you know, I'm just Mm. working on this tissue, sort of releasing here. And I feel this, what do you feel? And I remember Mm. telling him, oh, this feels sort of, I know it was really, I was like, this feels sort of hollow like there's not a lot of movement. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You get it already. That's wow. Yeah. And it was sort of, it, w- it was nice. And it was also kind of like mind blowing because I didn't really know mm. what I was doing. But even at that time, I knew there was something to it. And I knew I was where I was supposed to be. And that was again, like the third time in my life that I had felt that way. And so, I mean, after that, I followed him around and, you know, kind of learned from him here or there. And I said, I remember telling him, I don't really know what you're doing. I'm just going to learn everything I can. And I know myself, you know, three, four years down the line, things that you did today will make sense to me. And that's really kind of what happened because after that, I started taking the courses after I graduated and I started taking the courses that he did. And I just got connected with more people and, you know, kind of just took off and it took on a life of itself. So, I mean, I'm here as a product of a lot of things and a lot of things that went right in my life. And almost like a personal intuition of hopping around and being where I'm supposed to be. So he really inspired me and the classes and the courses continue to inspire me and the people that I've met along the way continue to inspire me. And so, I mean, sometimes I sit here and I'm like, how did I get here? It all sort of worked out. Yeah. Well, something else that you and I have talked about in in our sessions is, you know, the the pressure of growing up in an Indian family and having things that were expected of you. And I'm curious if you want to talk a little bit about that and how how you've been able to like arrive at this place for yourself amidst that pressure and that expectation. Yeah, no, definitely. The funniest call that I got was my first semester of PT school. My dad calls me up and he's like, so um, how's PT school? And I said, well, you know, it's not hard. I really like it. It's just a lot of work. And he's like, okay like, are you sure you don't want to go to med school? Like, you're sure you don't want to go to med school? (laughs) He's like, he's like, you don't want to? And I'm like, well, no, dad, I'm a semester in and I just don't want to go to med school. He's like, okay, I just, Mm -hmm. I thought if one of you three, I have a brother and a sister. And if I thought if one of you three was going to go, it'd be you, but okay, well, that's all right. I'm glad you're, you know, and so to your point, I think there was a lot of pressure to kind of do what kind of make sense what's what's logical what you can see in mm-hmm. front of you and kind of knock out and what's tangible and I never could do that <laughs> I'm just not that person mm-hmm. as hard as I might have tried when I was younger I couldn't do that and when I'm happy and I'm doing what I love to do and it also makes sense I think I've sort of gotten I don't want to say gotten away from that, but I've, I've definitely grown through that because I don't think that I'd be where I was if I wasn't questioned and if I didn't in turn question myself. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I think it's, 
I don't want to say that pressure is the way to grow because I don't necessarily always believe that. But I think that for, for me as a person, it's definitely made me question a lot and really I'm truly evolve, you know, in a way that I find fulfilling. So yeah. And they also like to be treated, you know? Yeah, exactly. So uh-huh. So they don't get it, but they but they like it and they feel better. So. And what I hear you describing is that there sounds like an unconditional love in your family that even though even though you have taken a path that wasn't necessarily the path that that they intended for you to take, the love that they really have for you can transcend that expectation. Whereas I feel like I kind of got the opposite. It was just like, oh, yeah, do what you want with your life. But then the emotional feeling I got was that I was doing it wrong, even though there was no particular thing I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. God, that's that's so true. I that is really true. And I'm I guess I'm really grateful for that, too. You know, there's a a little bit of contention, but we're um, fiery people in my family. And, you know, I got it from somewhere. I did. So uh, I think you're absolutely right. Like in the end, like at the end of the day, they'll always be in my corner, like rooting for me, no matter what, Mm -hmm. they won't always understand it. And, you know, there'll be fights and questioning, but it never, never over like the love, I guess, which is kind of beautiful, Mm -hmm. actually. You know? mm-hmm. so, yeah. Do you consider yourself a healer? Do I consider myself a healer? Oh God, that's, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. I don't know if I would use the word healer, but I guess more of an observer. Yeah. I think that life is, I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening and there always was, and there always will be. But I think that life is so, so beautiful. And there's so much going on at all times. I mean, when you look at the world, there's so much energy, there's so much complexity. I, I sort of live to understand it. It's kind of moving, you know, and I think in this work, when I get to connect with a person and I get to connect with their bodies, it's like, I get to observe and connect with like a microcosm of, of that, mm. a pocket of that. And so I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't consider myself a healer as much as I would an observer and someone who just wants to connect. So yeah, that's what I would say. I guess I haven't really fully understood what healer means yet. Maybe at some point, if I dive into that, maybe, but no, I would say I'm more of like a supporter, a supporter and a connector. Yeah, yeah. I think the term healer, what I've learned from asking this question, you know, hundreds of times now is is that everybody defines it a little bit differently. And that's what's important about the question is, is how you hold it and all of the experiences that you've had, you know, what that means to you. You're absolutely right. Right. When I was answering, I'm like, yeah, I guess I don't really know what that means, but I very much believe in a higher power. And I feel that each and every person and each and everything has that higher power in it. And Mm -hmm. that's, that's the cosm, that's the microcosm. And I think that I see, I observe and I see that that's the healer in each and everything. Mm. And so if I observe that and connect with it, I mean, yeah, that's, I guess that's just how I'm feeling it. When I get to observe that and when I get to connect with that is, I feel like I'm connecting with the world. And so observing that healing is, is where I'm sort of at. So I guess that healing happens and, and we see it and we connect with it. And that, that higher spirit is the true healer for me. What religion were you raised with? I guess we would call ourselves Hindu. 
My stepmom was Christian. And so we had that, but I guess I would define myself as Hindu, but I am more spiritually inclined. And so a lot of my beliefs come from that, that tradition. And it's a very open and all encompassing religion and philosophy. And it really is so embedded and ingrained in me, but I wouldn't necessarily call myself a religious person in that, you know, there's any one institution or there's a set of rituals that I necessarily follow. And that's one of the basic, you know, ideas of the Vedic philosophy or the, like the Hindu philosophy is that the spirit is with and within each person and each thing. And having gratitude for that mm-hmm. is so big because something can be so big and it can be so small and it's so beautiful and so complete in and of its own right. And so I guess it's really helped me in my work because I feel like I see that and I want to connect with that on a daily basis. That's really cool. And I think Christianity, even though there's like, you know, the Trinity, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is essentially God within you, that part Mm -hmm. of it is not generally what's emphasized because, I mean, historically, Christianity was really about the priests or the Pope or whoever having, having the connection to God and then you having to go seek it. And so I think a lot of us who grew up in Christian families like it's a remembering that we have that within us. Cause I think that, you know, when we get down to it, all religions say like God is within us or, you know, what, whatever life force sure, that is. Yeah. But because some doctrines more enforce the like, well, you have to read the Bible and you have to do, you know, X, Y, Z things. And I'm, I'm sure there are probably people who practice Hinduism in a way that also like separates from the true meaning. But I just think yeah. Christianity mm-hmm. in America in particular has done that in a way that's that's detrimental to our connection to the higher power and and that and that collective life force that we've been talking about. Yeah. And to your point, when you take that relationship between you and a higher power, in my opinion, and you say that you have to insert something in the middle, I think that that inhibits us from connecting with ourselves and realizing how much confidence that you can have or how much self-respect you can have or how complete you are in and of yourself, no matter what you believe, no matter what race you are, no matter what gender you identify as, no matter what your sexuality is, you were created and you in in and of yourself are perfect and and to have mm-hmm. and to have gratitude because you are complete you are complete and that mm-hmm. spark and that life is within you and and you have the ability to heal yourself you know for me it's life changing and again i think seeing that i mean on a daily basis or trying to connect with that is sort of my life's purpose and what brings me happiness and joy and makes me feel just here, connected, kind of a, a human. Mm, right. Because I mean, you literally are connecting to the life force of another person and watching people heal themselves, yeah. right? You all, all you're doing is right. really holding yeah. the organs and saying, hey, little buddy, hey, little liver, why don't you do this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, kind of just encouraging the whole system, you know, just holding space, like you said, supporting much like what you do, just in a different form, touch, you know, just, just someone along the way to just kind of help you. If, you know, we sort of, we need that. I was reading the seven habits of highly effective people. Have you read that by Stephen Mm -hmm. Covey? 
I haven't, but my supervisor loves it. So she'll talk about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's really interesting because in our society and in America, I was thinking about this and I was just reading that we value independence so much that, you know, I could do this on my own. It's me, it's me against the world. Like I can do this. And that's really, it's really important to have, but at the same time, there is no way that you could do any of this by yourself. You know, from the moment that you came into this world, you didn't birth yourself. You know, there was, mm-hmm. I mean, every step of the way you are being helped, no matter whether you know it or not, like you're not waking yourself up in the morning. You're truly not. You go to sleep with the faith that you wake up in the morning and you don't do it yourself. You know, you're not breathing yourself. We don't even know how that happens yet. Like you are being breathed. We have gotten so many breaks in our life that I mean, some of them I think about, I'm like, God, I was talking about earlier, I wouldn't be here without the clinical instructor that I had or the friends that mm-hmm. I've met along the way. And it's just so important to know that we're so interdependent and we thrive through the ability to connect. And that's the bigger picture. And, you know, when you break it down, a lot of my work is to help connect a person to themselves and, and for me to connect with them, because it's, I think that it's that connection piece, that give or take that I feel like is being missed and it's just so important. And to be there, you have to be interdependent. You have to be independent. You know, he talks a lot about that. And I think there's codependency and there's that fight to be independent, but that balance of that, that interdependence is so beautiful. And I think that's so functional and that's, that's what changes things, I think. And so to be able to do that with your own health and to be able to then, you know, translate it to your life and to other people, I think, that's where we'll see like a bigger change or evolution. And I, and that's what I, I like to kind of connect with. Yeah. Well, and I think that's where we're beginning to shift now, right? I think we've been experiencing the costs of independence and success and, you know, this, this striving for more, more, more. That's why there's like so much more cancer and addiction and depression and all these things, because that's not actually in tune with the human spirit. What you're talking about is. Sure. Right. Yeah. I think I see that every day. And as a kid, I did have a lot of pressure. I did feel a lot of cultural pressure and that was, and that was tough. And I think to your point, I felt like I had to be really independent and I don't think that that was healthy for me. I know it wasn't. And I think coming full circle and realizing that it's that give and take and, and through my work and, and just through just realization and being older and being in the world, you realize that it's, it's everything, you know, it's health and it's happiness and it's joy. Absolutely. Well, I haven't asked you the, the wounded healer question yet. Would you consider yourself a wounded healer? I think for a, a long time, my story was that my mom died when I was younger And my dad remarried and it was a contentious relationship all around. You know, I was, I was struggling and in my teenage years, I had just a tough time and, you know, nothing crazy, just your average acting out and just trying to figure things out and, and the world out. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, in my twenties, I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. And, you know, my mom died, but it's okay. And, and that was really hard. And here I am, and I'm going to fight this and, I'm going to just be me. And in my thirties, I'm like, well, that was just my story and that's what is. And here I am, you know? So in one aspect, I would consider myself a wounded healer, but on the other hand, I think I'm just a person who's just living her life and who's had experiences and 
wouldn't trade any of them for anything because I like who I am and I love who I am today. And it, it was all just a story. You know, it was all a story and it was all a part of what was, is, and what will be. Right, right. Well, one of the things that the listeners have heard me talk about NARM so much, and I think I've talked to you a little bit about it, the neuroeffective relational model that that I'm getting trained in that's all about developmental trauma. And one of the things we talk about in NARM is identifications. Like I could say like, I'm an Aquarius. And so, you know, I can't care about this because I'm an Aquarius and I'm aloof. And when we like really like claw into those identifications, like you said, you could have clawed into, well, I'm a kid who lost her mother. And so that's just who I am. That really gets in the way of this transcending that story and and stepping into who you truly are. And it sounds like it sounds like you kind of intuitively just moved that way, which is really cool. Yeah, it's it's like one day I woke up, you know, I've had a lot of help along the way, a lot of therapy, a lot of healing, if you will, a lot of help and support from amazing people. Mm. But I just remember one day being like, that's not me. This is, this is who I am. You know, I'm mm. not somebody who lost their mom and has been struggling mm. to find herself. Like I have my own voice and this is my story, you know? And I think yeah. that sometimes that's hard for people around you because I have also yes. realized that people, <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of friends who almost see me and they love me so much and they support me, but they almost see my struggle and it's, it's hard for them to see more than it is even for me to see. Cause this is my life and I don't really know much different, but in that comparison mm-hmm. from when I was younger, I would compare myself to other people and think, wow, I, it should be like this, but it's not. And well, that's all I knew. And it was hard. There's real emotions, but you know, that really is all that I knew and it gets confusing and it gets messy and I was just a kid, but in realizing in my social circle that I think it gets confusing, messy for other people and not taking that on because that's them and that's not me has been really helpful too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, mm-hmm. but identifying that and knowing that. Mm-hmm. And so. especially in our families too, right? Because there's, our family can project onto us a certain identification that they think we have, right? And sure. that's part of the pressure, right? That you felt from your parents is yeah. there's this projection of this is what Shirali should be when she grows up, or this is how she should move through the world. And I experienced that as well. And stepping out of that identification that is <laughs> that is planned for us is a challenge and can be painful. Yeah. Every time I have a guest on, most often they they hear from people who listen to the show who want their services. So I'm curious if you can let people know because PT isn't a thing that you can just show up and say, I want PT. So how do people see you if they want to see you? Sure. So I work at Care Physical Therapy. It's in Lincoln Park at Southport and Wrightwood in Chicago, Illinois. In order to see PT, it's a little tricky you need a, a PT script from a doctor or a chiropractor or a dentist, a podiatrist. Oh, yeah. yeah, we see a lot of people for various things from podiatrists. Feet need love too, but you need a script from one of those and a referral and then call us up and make an appointment. And we do the initial assessment. It's uh, 45 minutes to an hour. And we sort of talk about what I find and what your goals are and what our plan will be. And then we sort of take it from there. And it's obviously different for each person and what they're coming in for. So yeah, those are a few of my uh, referral sources. And I see all ages, you know, from baby to 
adults. Mm. And I work a lot with, I would say the biggest thing is chronic pain, chronic pain of all types, back, shoulder, neck, knees, and headaches. I see a lot of people suffering from headaches. And then I see babies and kiddos for developmental delays or issues with feeding, actually. So yeah, Mm, so lots of different things. Well, is there anything that we didn't talk about today that you really want listeners to know either about you or your work? Well, I would say that what I've learned the most in my life and what I feel like has really helped me on my healing journey is being open-minded for a long time. When I was going through my journey, I felt like Western medicine didn't really help me that much. And I was looking for answers and I'm one to, I will continue to look for answers and continue to learn until the day I die. It's what gives me purpose and gives me life and joy. And what I've realized is that there's a balance and there's a need for everything. There's a need Mm -hmm. for Western-minded thinking, Eastern-minded thinking, and to truly find a balance, I think, between different ways to just care for ourselves. And that there is validity to a lot of things. And I think it's very personal. And so to honor that, Mm. to find that balance and honor what works for you. Yeah. I think that's what I'm learning and have continued to learn that there's a place for everything. I love it. Yep. Wise words from a wise woman. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so, so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And I'd asked you to do this like three years ago. So I'm so glad. (laughs) I'm so glad we did it now. Here we are. Yeah, I really enjoyed talking to you and um, my first podcast. Yay! Awesome. Well, thanks again for being here. Thanks so much to Shirali for being our guest today. To learn more about her, you can go to our website at www.headhearttherapy.com slash podcast. And thanks as always to Andrea Clunder and the Creative Imposter Studios for amazing editing, to Liam O'Donnell for our album art, and to Ben Mueller for our theme music. Until next time, bye-bye.